We're glad you've joined us on Songs of Praise, an hour of musical reflection to encourage your heart. And I can't 
Hallelujah, 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 for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Hallelujah, 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 for the Hallelujah, 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 for
trusting in my strength I find I'm weak. Trusting in my riches I find poverty. Trusting in myself at all my confidence is very small. True strength is found in God and God Hope you're enjoying songs of praise. Here's some more inspirational music.
Lord, I know your heart is breaking when you see the things we do, the hurts we cause each other as we turn our backs on you, and the lies we tell to cover up the things that we've done wrong, the consequences of our actions. That just keep on going on, but you are still there waiting for me. Your heart aching as you're waiting and longing for me to see how much you love me.
my might and time to worship him. I'll give my all for him who died to bring our rebel to his side. Lord, help me use my fleeting breath to honor you through life or death. And when my heart drums its last beat, I'll lay my labors at your feet. To die is Christ eternal gain, to wake and never sleep again. I will not fear the feeble grave, the pathway to my Savior's face. Lord, help me consumes me either way. If I should live, I'll live for him. And if I die, I'll live again. Lord, help me use my fleeting breath to honor you through life or death. And when my heart drums its last beat, I'll lay my labors at your feet. And when my heart drums its last beat, I'll lay my labors at your feet. Yeah. 
powerfully save. He frees our hearts to live His grace. Go tell of His goodness. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Oh, sing hallelujah. Join the chorus. Sing of Praise continues with more inspirational music.
But by faith in the one who washed away my sins Oh, I want to fly like a sparrow Who fears not the wrath from your hand He sings in the shadow of your Sweet will be to meet the Lord when he comes in glory by and by. What a song of praise will be outpoured when he comes in glory by and by. How sweet will be, how sweet will be when he comes again in the scarlet sky. What joy will be, what joy will be when he comes in glory by and by. We will have our robes all white as snow when he comes in glory by and by. Oh, be ready with the Lord to go when he comes in glory by and by. How sweet will be, how sweet will be when he comes again in the scarlet sky. What joy will be, what joy will be when he comes in glory by and by. I am longing for that happy day when he comes in glory by and by. For with him I hope to soar away when he comes in glory by and by. How sweet will be, how sweet will be when he comes again in the scarlet sky. What joy will be, what joy will be when he comes in glory by and by. There will never be a sweeter story, story of the Savior's love divine. Love that brought him from the realms of glory Just to save a sinful soul like mine Oh, isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? Wonderful, wonderful Oh, isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? Wonderful it is to me Love beyond all human comprehension God in Christ, how can it be? This will be my theme and never-ending Great redeeming love of Calvary Oh, isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? Wonderful, 
was just a child when I felt the Savior leading. I was drawn to what I could not understand. And for the cause of Christ, I have spent my days believing that what He'd have me be is who I am. And as I've come to see
our desire to encourage and uplift your thoughts to our loving Creator God. Shout to the Lord on the earth, let us sing Power and majesty, praise to the King Nothing compares to the promise I have Lord, there is none like you. All of my days I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength. Let every breath, all that I am, never cease to worship you. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roll. At the sound of your name I sing for joy at the work of your hands Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand Nothing compares to the promise I have In shout to the Lord, all the earth let us sing Power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roll at the sound of your name. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have. Nothing compares to the promise I have. Nothing compares to the promise I have in you. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels Though I have the prophet's gift Though I hold the keys to hidden knowledge Though my faith can mount and shift Without love I am no better Without love it's all for naught 
Lord, you spent your life in loving others. What this means, I would be taught. Love is patient, knows no envy, never gloats when others sin. Love is never glad to see injustice. Always wants the truth to win. There's no end to love's endurance. There's no test you cannot face. Lord, you spent your life in loving others. I shall fail without your grace. Though there'll be. Visions, raptures, prophecy, faith and hope and love shall last forever. Well, the greatest of the three. Without love, I am no better. Without love, it's awful not. You gave your life and saved. What this means, I would be taught. Lord, you spent your life in loving others. What this means, I would be taught. Is true, heeding God's command. Honor them, the faithful few. All hail to Daniel's band. Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. Dare to have a purpose firm. Dare to make it known. Many mighty men are lost, daring not to stand. Who for God hath been a host by joining Daniel's band? Dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone, dare to have a purpose firm, dare to make it known. Many giants, great and tall, stalking through the land. Headlong to the earth would fall if met by Daniel's band. Dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone. Dare to have a purpose firm. Dare to make it known. Hold the gospel banner high unto victory grand. Satan and his host defy and shout for Daniel's band. Dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone. Dare to have a purpose firm. Dare to make it known. Dare to have a purpose firm. Dare to make it known.
keep me safe till the storm passes by. Till the storm passes over, till the thunder sounds no more, till the clouds roll forever from the Join us again next time on Songs of Praise, brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio, to enjoy more uplifting music. Welcome to 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading program. The book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen White, 
presents the parables of Jesus in a fresh light, showing their application to Christian living today. In this devotional classic, Ellen White explores the depths of the best-loved teachings of Jesus, offering a deeply spiritual understanding of the parables of Christ as they apply to our lives today. You'll enjoy the practical applications in a way that touches your heart. Listen now as Clive Nash reads. Continuing the chapter, Talents. Money. God also entrusts men with means. He gives them power to get wealth. He waters the earth with the dews of heaven and with the showers of refreshing rain. He gives the sunlight which warms the earth, awakening to life the things of nature and causing them to flourish and bear fruit. And he asks for a return of his own. Our money has not been given us that we might honour and glorify ourselves. As faithful stewards, we are to use it for the honour and glory of God. Some think that only a portion of their means is the Lord's. When they have set apart a portion for religious and charitable purposes, they regard the remainder as their own, to be used as they see fit. But in this they mistake. All we possess is the Lord's, and we are accountable to Him for the use we make of it. In the use of every penny, it will be seen whether we love God supremely and our neighbour as ourselves. Money has great value because it can do great good. In the hands of God's children, it is food for the hungry, drink for the thirsty and clothing for the naked. It is defence for the oppressed and a means of help to the sick. But money is of no more value than sand, only as it is put to use in providing for the necessities of life in blessing others and advancing the cause of Christ. Hoarded wealth is not merely useless, it is a curse. In this life it is a snare to the soul, drawing the affections away from the heavenly treasure. In the great day of God, its witness to unused talents and neglected opportunities will condemn its possessor. The scripture says, Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall bear witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the labourers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. James 5, verses 1 to 4. But Christ sanctions no lavish or careless use of means. His lesson in economy, gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost, is for all his followers. John 6, verse 12. He who realizes that his money is a talent from God will use it economically and will feel it a duty to save that he may give. The more means we expend in display and self-indulgence, the less we can have to feed the hungry and clothe the naked. Every penny used unnecessarily deprives the spender of a precious opportunity of doing good. It is robbing God of the honour and glory which should flow back to Him through the improvement of His entrusted talents. Kindly Impulses and Affections Kindly affections, generous impulses, and a quick apprehension of spiritual things are precious talents, and lay their possessor under a weighty responsibility. All are to be used in God's service. But here many err. 
satisfied with the possession of these qualities, they fail to bring them into active service for others. They flatter themselves that if they had opportunity, if circumstances were favourable, they would do a great and good work. But they are awaiting the opportunity. They despise the narrowness of the poor niggard who grudges even a pittance to the needy. They see that he is living for self and that he is responsible for his misused talents. With much complacency they draw the contrast between themselves and such narrow-minded ones, feeling that their own condition is much more favourable than that of their mean-souled neighbours. But they are deceiving themselves. The mere possession of unused qualities only increases their responsibility. Those who possess large affections are under obligation to God to bestow them, not merely on their friends, but on all who need their help. Social advantages are talents and are to be used for the benefit of all within reach of our influence. The love that gives kindness to only a few is not love but selfishness. It will not in any way work for the good of souls or the glory of God. Those who thus leave their master's talents unimproved are even more guilty than are the ones for whom they feel such contempt. To them it will be said, Ye knew your master's will, but did it not. Talents multiplied by use. Talents used are talents multiplied. Success is not the result of chance or of destiny. It is the outworking of God's own providence, the reward of faith and discretion, of virtue and persevering effort. The Lord desires us to use every gift we have, and if we do this, we shall have greater gifts to use. He does not supernaturally endow us with the qualifications we lack, but while we use that which we have, He will work with us to increase and strengthen every faculty. By every wholehearted, earnest sacrifice for the Master's service, our powers will increase. While we yield ourselves as instruments for the Holy Spirit's working, the grace of God works in us to deny old inclinations, to overcome powerful propensities, and to form new habits. As we cherish and obey the promptings of the Spirit, our hearts are enlarged to receive more and more of His power and to do more and better work. Dormant energies are aroused and palsied faculties receive new life. The humble worker who obediently responds to the call of God may be sure of receiving divine assistance. To accept so great and holy a responsibility is itself elevating to the character. It calls into action the highest mental and spiritual powers and strengthens and purifies the mind and heart. Through faith in the power of God, it is wonderful how strong a weak man may become, how decided his efforts, how prolific of great results. He who begins with a little knowledge, in a humble way, and tells what he knows, while seeking diligently for further knowledge, will find the whole heavenly treasure awaiting his demand. The more he seeks to impart light, the more light he will receive. The more one tries to explain the word of God to others, with the love for souls, the plainer it becomes to himself. The more we use our knowledge and exercise our powers, the more knowledge and power we shall have. Every effort made for Christ will react in blessing upon ourselves. If we use our means for his glory, he will give us more. As we seek to win others to Christ, bearing the burden of souls in our prayers, our own hearts will throb with the quickening influence of God's grace. Our own affections will glow with more divine fervour. Our whole Christian life, 
will be more of a reality, more earnest, more prayerful. The value of man is estimated in heaven according to the capacity of the heart to know God. This knowledge is the spring from which flows all power. God created man that every faculty might be the faculty of the divine mind, and he is ever seeking to bring the human mind into association with the divine. He offers us the privilege of cooperation with Christ in revealing his grace to the world, that we may receive increased knowledge of heavenly things. Looking unto Jesus, we obtain brighter and more distinct views of God, and by beholding we become changed. Goodness, love for our fellow men, become our natural instinct. We develop a character which is the counterpart of the divine character. Growing into his likeness, we enlarge our capacity for knowing God. More and more we enter into fellowship with the heavenly world, and we have continually increasing power to receive the riches of the knowledge and wisdom of eternity. The One Talent The man who received the one talent went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. It was the one with the smallest gift who left his talent unimproved. In this is given a warning to all who feel that the smallness of their endowments excuses them from service for Christ. If they could do some great thing, how gladly would they undertake it? But because they can serve only in little things, they think themselves justified in doing nothing. In this they err. The Lord in his distribution of gifts is testing character. The man who neglected to improve his talent proved himself an unfaithful servant. Had he received five talents, he would have buried them as he buried the one. His misuse of the one talent showed that he despised the gifts of heaven. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. Luke 16 verse 10. The importance of the little things is often underrated because they are small, but they supply much of the actual discipline of life. There are really no non-essentials in the Christian's life. Our character building will be full of peril while we underrate the importance of the little things. He that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. By unfaithfulness in even the smallest duties, man robs his maker of the service which is his due. This unfaithfulness reacts upon himself. He fails of gaining the grace the power, the force of character, which may be received through an unreserved surrender to God. Living apart from Christ, he is subject to Satan's temptations, and he makes mistakes in his work for the Master. Because he is not guided by right principles in little things, he fails to obey God in the great matters which he regards as his special work. The defects cherished in dealing with life's minor details pass into more important affairs, he acts on the principles to which he has accustomed himself. Thus, actions repeated form habits, habits form character, and by the character our destiny for time and for eternity is decided. Only by faithfulness in the little things can the soul be trained to act with fidelity under larger responsibilities. God brought Daniel and his fellows into connection with the great men of Babylon, that these heathen men might become acquainted with the principles of true religion. In the midst of a nation of idolaters, Daniel was to represent the character of God. How did he become fitted 
for a position of so great trust and honour? It was his faithfulness in the little things that gave complexion to his whole life. He honoured God in the smallest duties, and the Lord cooperated with him. To Daniel and his companions, God gave knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Daniel 1 verse 17. As God called Daniel to witness for him in Babylon, so he calls us to be his witnesses in the world today. In the smallest, as well as the largest affairs of life, he desires us to reveal to men the principles of his kingdom. Christ, in his life on earth, taught the lesson of careful attention to the little things. The great work of redemption weighed continually upon his soul. As he was teaching and healing, all the energies of mind and body were taxed to the utmost. Yet he noticed the most simple things in life and in nature. His most instructive lessons were those in which, by the simple things of nature, he illustrated the great truths of the kingdom of God. He did not overlook the necessities of the humblest of his servants. His ear heard every cry of need. He was awake to the touch of the afflicted woman in the crowd. The very slightest touch of faith brought a response. When he raised from the dead the daughter of Jairus, he reminded her parents that she must have something to eat. When by his own mighty power he rose from the tomb, he did not disdain to fold and put carefully in the proper place the grave clothes in which he had been laid away. The work to which as Christians we are called is to cooperate with Christ for the salvation of souls. This work we have entered into covenant with him to do. To neglect the work is to prove disloyal to Christ. But in order to accomplish this work, we must follow his example of faithful, conscientious attention to the little things. This is the secret of success in every line of Christian effort and influence. Join us again next time as Clive Nash continues to read from the book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen G. White. Enjoy the short presentation on the history of the Reformation from lynchjourney.com. What was at the heart of the Reformation? Was it a location? Was it Augsburg, Geneva, Wittenberg, or Edinburgh? Or was it something more than that? The focal point was that the Bible was written for and could be interpreted and understood by the common man. The result of this focus was a discovery of who the Antichrist was and who Jesus Christ was and that he was freely accessible to all. On October the 31st, 1517, Martin Luther nailed his 95 Theses to the door of Wittenberg Castle Cathedral, oblivious of the ramifications of his actions. Luther was 34 and throughout the rest of his life, he would be the engine that drove the Reformation, inspiring countless generations to come. 
At the time, Luther was responding to John Tetzel, who was traveling through Germany selling indulgences, essentially a fast ticket to heaven, in order to fund the building of St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. Based on Romans chapter 1, verses 16 to 18, Luther believed in salvation through faith by grace, while the papacy believed that salvation required some action on our behalf, which in this case was the purchasing of indulgences. In 1999, the Catholic Church signed a joint declaration with the Lutheran Church, which was hailed by many as a step in bridging the divide and reaching a consensus on justification. However, the Catholic Church still affirmed the view of the Council of Trent on justification, which declared upholding justification by faith alone as anathema. The Roman Catholic Church's basic view of salvation is still dependent on the mediation of the church, the distribution of grace by means of the sacraments, the intercession of the saints, and purgatory even after the joint declaration of 1999. Jesus prayed in John 17 that his people may be one as he and the Father are one. In the Bible at the end of time, it says there will be one flock and one shepherd. However, truth must never be sacrificed for unity, and peace cannot be attained through compromise. Today, unity is often secured through shallow statements and a minimization of historical events and a reinterpretation of those same events to suit current agendas. Martin Luther was not a saint, nor were his beliefs completely without error, but his understanding and conviction that the Bible could be understood by the common man and that salvation was available through direct communion between the believer and Jesus Christ still stands today. The issues that gave birth to the Reformation 500 years ago are still relevant to the church at large today. While we should welcome all opportunities for clarification and cooperation, we should also affirm, as did the reformers, that the Bible is our final authority and that salvation is through faith alone. Luther famously said, unless I am convinced by scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of popes and councils, for they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand. I cannot do otherwise. God help me. Amen. Today, it will be well for the church at large and each one of us individually to take this as our guide. It is neither right nor safe to go against conscience and scripture accompanied by sound reason and the Holy Spirit needs to be our teacher. Let us be faithful to God's word, gracious in how we share it, firm in our understanding of its truths and immovable in our convictions. To view more episodes in this series on the Reformation, 
go to lineagejourney.com. 